Welcome back to Chasing Dramas. This is the podcast that discusses Chinese culture and history through historical Chinese dramas. We are your hosts for today, Karen and Kathy. Today we are discussing episodes 26 and 27 of The Story of Yanxi Palace or Yanxi Gonglue. This podcast is in English with proper nouns and certain phrases spoken in Mandarin Chinese. If you have any questions, please reach out to us on Instagram or Twitter or else at our website at www.chasingdramas.com. As we usually do, we will do a plot recap for the drama episodes and then we'll go into some interesting parts about the episodes or discuss some history. For these two drama episodes, or at least I feel like this section of the drama, I do think that the plots are a little bit interspersed or a little bit mixed. So the pacing is a little off compared to what we've seen in the beginning of the drama and also at the end. In the last two episodes, we found that Ying Luo's sister was uh, uh, defiled by Hong Zhou, the emperor's brother, but then was actually killed by Hong Zhou's mother, Yu Taifei. Ying Luo is unable at the moment to exact complete revenge against these two incredibly powerful and connected individuals in the palace. So she learned in episode 25 that she must wait and be patient. In the meantime, for episode 26, we turn back to Fu Hung, who after 20 plus episodes is finally clear of his feelings. He wants to marry Ying Luo. He says as much to his sister, the Empress, and in front of her, he makes it very clear that he wants to marry Ying Luo as his wife, not a concubine. The Empress is shocked that he would make such a decision because she is extremely clear of Ying Luo's character and attitude. The problem that even despite the Empress's favoritism of Ying Luo is that the Empress is extremely clear that Ying Luo is stubborn and competitive, which could spell disaster for the Fu Cha family and for Fu Hung if he doesn't fully understand what he's getting into. But Fu Hung implored his sister that he knows his heart and Ying Luo is the one he wants. Outside, though, Er Qing, the empress's head maid, overhears this exchange and is feeling quite jealous. I feel like... With these episodes, I get the sense of dread because I know what's happening right now, but um, I, I don't really take pleasure in watching these episodes because we start seeing some of Erqing's true colors seep through. Previously, she's just been the, you know, loyal servant, and she was the intelligent one compared to Mingyu, but now we see she has um, not quite pure motives. Erqing sees that Mingyu and Yingluo now have a rather good relationship, or at least one that has tempered from the initial clashes earlier on. And therefore, Erqing must turn Mingyu against Yingluo once again. She goes and essentially whines to Mingyu that it's unfair Yingluo's life is so good to have the support and backing of the Empress, while she, despite being from a rather powerful family, can only remain a maid. But her whole like, self-pity is cut short as we hear that the Empress has passed out. Yet 
The cause of this is actually quite happy news. The Empress is pregnant. When the Emperor hears this, he's absolutely over the moon. The rest of Changchun Palace is equally pleased to hear this as finally the Empress will have some more support if she gives birth to a son. The Emperor was so cute when he found out the news. He was like, oh, so happy. And then he was like, um, you know, clapping and everything and trying to um, make sure the Empress had what she needed. Um, it's good to see that the Emperor and Empress still have such a great relationship. While all of this is happy news, Plot deems it necessary to have some additional conflict. On the way to see the Empress, Xianfei, who we haven't really seen in a couple episodes, meets an imperial doctor who just tended to the Empress. On the way out, the doctor lets slip that he was very sad to not have been able to save her brother. Xianfei is confused, and the doctor explains that he was sent to tend to Xianfei's brother in prison, but was recalled before doing so. Perhaps if the Empress didn't recall the doctor, then maybe Xianfei's brother might not have died. This shakes Xianfei to her core, because now she thinks that the Empress is just faking her kindness. To make matters worse, Xianfei hears the Empress say these exact words, that she, instead of sending a doctor for her brother, changed her mind to give money to Xianfei instead. This was an idea from Chuenfei to boot, but Xianfei does not hear this, nor does he hear the fact that the Empress expresses a lot of guilt for not having done more and wants to apologize for Xianfei. This, unfortunately, sows the seeds of discord between the two women. Xianfei now is completely enraged at the Empress for her hand in destroying her family. Though, again, for plot purposes, Xianfei could have stayed for like a half second longer and heard the Empress's heartfelt apology. I really do think this scene was contrived, but whatever, it sets the stage for Xianfei's eventual turn. With that interlude out of the way, we turn back to Fu Hong and Ying Luo. Fu Hong is fully smitten with Ying Luo and doesn't mind letting her know that she is his Xin Shang Zhen, or the person on his heart. Yet, when he presents to the emperor that he wants to marry Ying Luo, the emperor does not rejoice for them. Instead, he is furious. He absolutely cannot allow Fu Hong to marry Ying Luo. Fu Hong leaves quickly, but not before reiterating his stance that he, no matter what, wants to marry Wei Yingluo, much to the emperor's fury. In this scene or conflict, the only phrase that I really have for the emperor right now is that he is being ying yang guai qi. There's no real good way to translate that into English, but it kind of reflects that the emperor is just being very temperamental and has emotions he doesn't know how to express. I don't think at this point he even recognizes what he's feeling towards Ying Luo right now. On the surface, he detests that she doesn't follow protocol and does not show more deference to rules or his imperial authority, but he is really quite attracted to her. He has a warped view of her and thinks she's only interested in Fu Hong for his power and status. And so he actually quite aggressively questions her, Ying Luo, in person why Ying Luo doesn't come to him, the emperor, 
if it's just power and status she wants. He can give her everything. But he's actually quite upset to hear her answer. She's not interested in him. I don't think anyone has ever rejected him like this before. I mean, he is the emperor after all. So many women would be falling over to have his attention. So he storms out of the room. And I think he's finally showing his jealousy towards Fu Hong that how can Fu Hong also like Ying Luo and for Ying Luo to want to be with someone like Fu Hong who has less power than the likes of him, the emperor. I don't think he likes Ying Luo though. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I feel like he's just more attracted to her and wants to uh, kind of overcome her or subdue her. But I don't know if he actually likes her. What I think is extremely interesting in this scene is that everything the emperor said about what he thinks Ying Luo is, is actually what Er Qing is. Sure, Er Qing nurses a crush on Fu Hong, so many women in the palace do. But when reflecting that the emperor could help Er Qing raise the status of her family, she now turns her sights on the emperor and wants to be the emperor's woman. Problem is, this backfired on her, so now she is even more jealous of Ying Luo, that not only does Fu Hong show more interest in Ying Luo, so does the emperor. In episode 27, Er Qing continues to show her more vile side as she suggests to the empress that maybe it would be a good idea to gift Ying Luo to the emperor. That way, Ying Luo can help the Empress secure her position in the palace. The Empress actually calls for Ying Luo and point blank asks her if Ying Luo wants to be a woman of the Emperor. Ying Luo again declines. By now, we're seeing the difference between the two people. Ying Luo does not care for status or power, just her relationship with the Empress and serving her. While Er Qing does not care too much about her relationship with the Empress, but rather getting what she wants, which includes power and status. I mean, if you just spend time serving the Empress, you would understand why it would not be a good idea to send one of her maids to be a woman of the Emperor. I mean, there's just so many obvious reasons why that is not a nice thing to do for the Empress. Ying Luo is not blind to Er Qing's attempt to create chaos in Changchun Gong and gives her a rather stern warning to stay away from the emperor because it would ultimately break the empress's heart. Let's remember those words, shall we? And what I think is really fascinating is that in a very clear moment of communication between Ying Luo and Fu Hong, she makes it very clear to him that while she might like him, her main motivation and goal in life is revenge for her sister. That comes first. She does not care about relationships or love. She has more important things to worry about. And she is very clear that she and Fu Hong come from entirely different backgrounds, which could spell disaster for the two of them. This is one of the reasons why Ying Luo is so beloved as a character. She doesn't care just for romance. She has more important things to, in life to focus on. And even if she does like Fu Hong, she's not going to let that be the only thing in her life. We'll let this rest for a bit as we turn back to Ying Luo's revenge. Again, I don't 
No, if I particularly liked how the storylines are kind of interwoven because 26 was totally about Ninglo's relationship and now we're suddenly back towards uh, Yui Taifei, but whatever. This was required to push Ninglo to the next step of this drama. It just so happens that in the next day, it is forecasted to have severe thunderstorms with powerful lightning that is set to afflict the capital city. Once Yinglo hears this, she immediately has the wheels turning in her head. At Yu Taifei's palace, so this is Hongzhou's mother and also the woman who killed Yinglo's sister, there are eunuchs installing screens with shades in front of Yu Taifei's palace. But Yu Taifei notes, or her maid notes, that the fabric on the shades are rather stiff, not at all like the floating material they used to expect. Later that night, Yingluo bursts into Shou Kangong, where Yu Taifei lives. The shades have been set up and the evening is set to start raining. Before the rain starts, though, Yingluo is screaming for everyone at Shou Kangong to hear that Yingluo is here for revenge. She publicly shouts the horrible deeds that Hongzhou and his mother did to her sister. By now, an entire crowd of eunuchs and maids have heard the words and are now muttering under their breaths. Is it true? Yu Taifei is such a kind person. How can she have a hand in killing this maid's sister? Yu Taifei actually continues her facade that she has never harmed a single person in her life. And Yingwa, though, dares her to make an oath. We talked about how important oaths were in this drama, or at least in Chinese culture and history. Yingluo says that if Yu Taifei lied, then the gods will give their punishment. And at this moment, the sky turns and lightning streaks across the sky. Yu Taifei continues to claim that she never hurt a living soul in her life and is a devout disciple of Buddha. She is willing to accept divine punishment if she lied. Just as Yinglo is being dragged off, screaming at the top of her lungs that the heavens will give their just punishment, Yu Taifei walks into her palace, touching the shades from the screens, and is immediately electrocuted by lightning. Yu Taifei dies at the scene, and the entire palace of onlooking maids and eunuchs can only kneel and beg for the heavens' mercy. They all believe that Yu Taifei died of retribution for lying about whether or not she was a good person. There is a lot missing in this episode to explain exactly what happened, which we'll get into later on this podcast, because all of this certainly happened way too fast and we are not given the full context. But at least for now, Ying Luo has enacted revenge for her sister. Her actions have consequences, though. While to everyone else, she can claim that Yu Taifei died by divine intervention, both the Empress and the Emperor are not fooled. The Empress is livid to hear that Ying Luo has perhaps had a hand in this, even though Ying Luo denies any actual involvement in Yu Taifei's death. The Empress knows Ying Luo too well to believe otherwise and thinks that Ying Luo must have had a hand in it. 
angry that Yingluo does not recognize the gravity of what she's done and believing that she, the empress, can no longer restrict the actions of Yingluo. Yingluo is banished to do hard labor at Xinzhe-ku. In a surprising twist, Mingyu is the one to cry for Yingluo's sudden departure and pleads for her not to leave. Quite the change in relationship, don't you think? The emperor, hearing that Yingluo was there the night Yu Taifei died, storms to Changchungong to interrogate Yingluo as well. But the empress responds calmly that he is too late. Yingluo has already been sent away. So what this reveals is that on the surface, even though the empress punished Yingluo by exiling her to Xinzhe-ku, she is actually protecting Yingluo. Only this way can Yingluo avoid the wrath of the emperor that the empress knew was coming. That is it for these two episodes. We will see how Yingluo behaves in Xinzhe-ku in the next couple of episodes. Okay, so that was the episode recap. Let's turn towards a couple of behind-the-scenes snippets and history. So the biggest mystery of episode 27, or like the biggest question mark, was when concubine dowager Yu or Yu Taifei somehow just dies from lightning. Like what happened? So there's a couple of factors to why this scene is so confusing. Apparently, a crucial scene was cut in this episode. In episode 27, one of Yu Taifei's maids comments on how the curtain seems a bit off. The silk curtain. As in, it doesn't really look like the most lavish type of silk used for the curtain or the ones that they're used to. We don't get any other explanation and the scene just moves on. So apparently what was cut was a scene in which Wei Yingluo sewed tiny metal threads to the curtain that was to be used for Yu Taifei's, uh, let's say, like, tent. Now, I don't know if there's a scene that also shows Wei Yingluo providing that curtain to the eunuchs that set up the whole tent, but at least we know that Wei Yingluo did indeed have a hand in Yu Taifei's death if, indeed, she gave or she sewed metal into the thread. The way the drama is now just has us guessing as to what Wei Luo did. She neither confirms nor denies the allegations when the Empress questions her. I personally don't know why the show cut it out. Maybe to give some more plausibility to Ying Luo. No, I think I read somewhere else. Again, this is not like fully the background information from the drama. So, you know, take this with a grain of salt. Is that they cut that scene because they wanted to prevent people from viewing this drama to also actually enact and uh, sew this metal thread into something and accidentally kill someone. Because this could happen. Plausibly happen in real life. Some of the other things in this drama are more like, oh, you know, it may not happen or whatever. But this was something that um, I think showrunners were like, we cannot show how brutal or realistic this is. Huh. Okay. I did not read that, but I think that makes sense. At the same time, I want to talk about the history of this. I grew up in the U.S. I was always taught that Benjamin Franklin was the first to discover or write out the principle of the lightning rod in 1749. 
it's always a very fun image of good old Ben Franklin getting electrocuted <laughs> with lightning via a kite. So in the context of this show, we are still in the early 1740s. The timing doesn't really work out for Wei Yinglo to know how to conduct electricity. However, the Chinese have been using something similar to lightning rods for centuries, if not thousands of years. The Chinese just didn't know or didn't have a scientific reasoning for it. There are records dating back to the Tang Dynasty, uh, specifically the 9th century AD, that recounts a story from the Han Dynasty, so 2,000 years ago, where a sorcerer recommended placing a fish-shaped copper plate on the top of a roof to prevent, quote-unquote, sky fires. That would, of course, be uh, fires caused by lightning. So it looks like the Chinese have unknowingly been using lightning rods for centuries or using something to conduct electricity to avoid fires. Typically, actually, it would look like a dragon head with the conductor inside the mouth. So uh, for buildings that still stand today, you can still see the dragon rod technically to conduct um, and act as a lightning rod. Maybe Wang Lo and all the random knowledge that she has knew of this and tried her luck with the metal threads in the curtains. I'm not sure. Or she's, as we joked, she just came back from the future. No, she's most definitely in this drama somebody who has modern knowledge and went back in time and basically invented a million things in this drama. Let's turn to some history. First up, let's talk about Yu Taifei. She is the mother of the Prince of He or He Qin Wang, Hongzhou. This lady in history lived a whopping 96 years from 1689 to 1784. That is crazy. She even outlived Queen Elizabeth II. Now let's get to some history. Our main character for today, really, is Yu Taifei. She is the mother of the Prince of He or He Qin Wang, and his name is Hongzhou. This lady in history lived a whopping 96 years from 1689 to 1784. That is crazy. She even outlived Queen Elizabeth II. May she rest in peace. I don't know what kind of genes this Yu Taifei had because that is incredible. Her last name was Gung and she came from a middling family, nothing noble. We'll continue to call her Yu Taifei though so that it doesn't confuse you. She married Emperor Yongzheng when she was only 14 and gave birth to Hongzhou in 1711. When Yongzheng ascended the throne in 1723, she was granted the title of concubine or pin, and she was subsequently promoted to the title of consort or fei in 1730. Apparently, she was quite favored by the Emperor Yongzheng because she was a healthy and intelligent woman who could hold her liquor. So she did indulge in drinking with the emperor on occasion. Good for her. During the reign of Emperor Qianlong, so our current emperor, she was granted the title of Huang Kao Yu Guifei, which roughly translates to Noble Consort Dowager Yu. In 1778, she was bestowed the title of Huang Kao Yu Guifei, or Imperial Noble Consort Dowager Yu. It boggles my mind that she lived for that long. Like, how is that possible? And this just shows that this is completely different from the show. 
I mean, I doubt that Emperor Qianlong would have bestowed such titles to Yu Guifei or Yu Taifei if she was a conniving woman. I'm looking at Baike and guess who they list as uh, the drama version of Yu Taifei in Empresses in the Palace? Why, it's none other than Duan Fei, the sickly woman who was forced to be infertile by Hua Fei. If you recall in that drama, she was one of two other concubines or consorts that stayed alive by the end of the drama. The other was Jing Fei. In this drama of Yan Xi Gonglie, the screenwriter kills her off so that Ying Luo can avenge her sister, and I think to push the plot forward and focus on Ying Luo's relationship with the Empress. But it's just really interesting to see that, oh, this Yu Tafei doesn't have uh, the type of fate that we've seen in this drama where she gets killed by supposed lightning. Nope, Yu Tafei lives for a very long time. And the last topic that I want to cover today is the concept of Yi Taizu. So I'll get into what that translates to. Er Qiong in episode 26 brings this concept up when she talks to Mingyu about how Wei Yingluo's status will improve if she marries Fu Hong because the empress will grant Wei Yingluo's family banner status or better banner status. So what does that mean? Bao Yi Tai Zu simply means if you're part of the Bao Yi class, then you will have your status raised to probably not a Bao Yi status. Wei Yingluo's family, as we mentioned before, has the status of Bao Yi or Bui Aha. The Bui Aha of the eight banners under the Qing dynasty are, as we mentioned, called Bao Yi they're basically bond servants or servile household members of the Manchu or the members of the eight banners. The members of the Baoyu have a lower status than the regular Manchu and maids in the palace are chosen for menial tasks. If they have more education, then yes, they will be sent to serve masters of the ruling elite. As mentioned by Erqing, the three banners Plain yellow, plain white, and bordered yellow are called Shang Sanxi, or the top three banners, or the upper three banners. They reported directly to the emperor, and the men were the ones that were selected for the imperial guard. The rest of the five banners were called the lower five banners and focused on regional management and overall capital protection. The act of Tai Qi meant to raise someone from the lower banners to the upper banners. Now, for the members of the Baoyi class, that status was, unfortunately, hereditary as well. They belonged to their respective banners and could not change the banners they serve. They aren't slaves and did have proper identifications. Think about your driver's license or passport. But the Baoyi members of the upper three banners enjoyed better status and jobs. However, as I mentioned, as a Baoyi, they're still nevertheless servants or bond servants of the imperial or royal elite. The only ways to change that status and station in life are the following ways. One, raise the status of a concubine or consort's family. Two, achieve military honors. Three, provide contributions to court. And four, have an overturned conviction. So if you're wrongly accused of something, then maybe you'll be able to uh, raise your banner 
or your family status from that. So for the ladies, the only option, of course, was to become a favorite concubine, which is what Erzing mentions. Funnily enough, the only two women during Emperor Qianlong's reign in which he raised his consort's banners, Karen, do you want to guess who they are? No. Ying Luo. <laughs> yes. Well, one of them is Ying Luo, which is, I guess, a spoiler. And the other is actually Gao Guifei. Two women who we are very familiar with and two women that come from Han backgrounds. And that is it for today's podcast episode. Thank you all so much for listening. If you have any comments or questions, again, please feel free to reach out to us. And if you haven't already, please give us a rating on whatever platform you listen to us to. If you are looking for Chinese dramas or movies to watch, please do check out our sponsor, Jubao TV, which has a number of Chinese dramas and movies with English subtitles for free to watch on their platform. You can access them online via Jumo or XUMO or else on TV on Xfinity and Cox Contour, as well as Sling TV. We will catch you all in the next podcast episode. Thank you.